Hi everyone, welcome to Embracing Change, where we explore how changes in technology and consumer behavior are affecting businesses across industries. I am your host, Gerardo Kerik, and today we're talking about the challenges of digital transformation for the public, for the media industry and the music industry. My guest is Seth Shatter, president of Strat Americas, a Los Angeles and Miami-based consultancy that provides strategic guidance and helps clients with media and technology partnerships. Strat Americas has worked with clients in digital and social music, virtual reality, live entertainment, artificial intelligence, and enterprise software. Seth is an experienced business development executive who spent 11 years with Sony Music, where he held senior digital leadership roles in Latin America and for Sony's Jive record label in North America. Hi, Seth. How are you? Hey, Gerardo. Cool. Good stuff. Good to be here. Good, good to have you here. Did I, did I just um, butcher your last name? Yeah, sometimes people do. It's a lot easier to pronounce. It's Shackner. Like Shack. Just Shackner. Just Okay. Shackner. Like Shackner. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. O'Neill. Shackner. And I'm I'm just based in LA now. No, we 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 closed the Miami office years back. So we're totally West Coast now. So Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. That's good. So I so I didn't have that right. That's that's fantastic. I remember you were in Miami, then you moved to LA, then you were going back and forth. Not, not, yeah, not we still have them. lots of friends and business interests there. We can talk about it, but I did, I did make the move to the big city um, before all this crazy stuff with crypto and NFTs has happened in Miami, from what I've read. And you know, but but we like it. We love it out here, actually. California. Well, well, sounds good. I mean, I love to talk to you about the about all of that. So, why don't we start for the benefit of our audience to talk just a little bit about your journey, right? Because I think it's important to understand understand your journey before we can actually talk about the challenges of digital transformation in the in the industries that you operate right sure so, no, ha happy to do so absolutely sure. sure um you know i'm a digital business executive and um i'm someone who's worked uh you know in different parts of the ecosystem for several decades now you mm -hmm. know i started uh after business school i went to columbia business school in new york and uh, from the east coast raised in washington dc actually um, you know, in, 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 in roles post-business school that were, you know, kind of analytical, maybe that's what, that's what, uh, entertainment or media companies, which is where my passion was. And I, I came into Columbia even as an undergrad too, as, as a journalist, so I still have a strong affinity for writing and journalism and media, but, um, worked in primarily analytical roles for the first few, you know, gigs, if you will, after business school, spent a little time, uh, actually a couple of years with a, a great Japanese company, Mitsubishi International, which is a, a Japanese shosha trading company, they call it, helping them invest in entertainment properties all over the world, theme parks, leisure investments, film mm -hmm. rights, and that's what I, I came out to LA in 92. And, um, you know, I took, I guess, I mean, it's a fascinating job for me now. It's kind of painful for me back then to be just, you know, sitting in the I guess in, in, in the furthest chair of the accounting department, if you will, next uh -huh. to the men's room in Fox Plaza, um, running numbers on, on movie deals all day and all night, you know, and trying to project uh, what do we need to do in all these, these this is pre-digital, you know, ancillary markets and theatrical yeah. markets to make, you know, to break even, you know, Schwarzenegger pictures and, you know, Kali Coke and pictures, things like that, toys, Jimmy Hoffa, Mrs. Doubtfire, all those things. And, oh man, um, I, I I remember that because I used to work at that time for for Disney, and uh, I rem I remember 
the spreadsheets, right? I remember ah. I, I was in this the international, and I remember, okay, ah. this is the cost of running a show, right? This is the cost of producing a show, and this is the revenue we need to be generating in the next 10 years to mm. make this show. Um, mm, of course, yeah. Know, yeah. Estimates you know. and ultimates, whatever they call them, and, uh, and I think yeah, you still, yeah. you came to my class. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, and, and you know, so I know exactly what you know what you're talking about because it was, you know, the, the business was all about distribution, right? You know, you had two businesses. What one business was, okay, you launched it in your own networks and then you sold it to other networks hmm. for perpetuity, right? Sure, sure. D two C did not exist at least it, at least it didn't at Fox. I don't know if Disney had it. No, absolutely, and uh, and uh, but it's interesting because I, I know you came to. We can talk with us. I, I'm I'm an adjunct professor here at Pepperdine in, in LA. You know, and, and love giving back and teach a couple of courses. And in, in one of my courses, I've had a, you know, a young person from, from one of the studios, uh, you know, from I think Warner come and, and talk. And, you know, it's still very much the same. You know, they're still doing it. You know, the studios yeah. are at least. Yeah. And I imagine Netflix is too, just maybe in different ways. But uh, I started out doing that and moved over to, um, <clears throat> it was called MCA at the time, but it, it was. A music holding company that's now known as Universal Music Group, in sort of analytical roles, um, and so the first three years, three and a half years here in LA were kind of all about analytics and numbers and acquisitions and, and learning music. I worked my way in um, through a soundtrack division at Fox, and um, music's sort of, I guess, if you could map out one of the deeper passions, it's probably one of them. And so, I mm -hmm. um, a 95-ish, I got a good friend uh, who uh, was working at Time, who had left LA to go work for the startup in the suburbs of Washington, DC, that, you know, needed help in music and managing ventures. I think they had something for young adults with a, a film studio. And I've come to this America Online, AOL, certainly dating myself, but people probably know it. And um, mm -hmm. so I left here to go there. And I was like, I was their first music executive in the door. And uh, it was pretty transformative to, to your to the title of your your podcast here, and it was it was oh, great. Yeah. I got to do all sorts of initial content deals with. So you know, so, the, yeah. So so let me interrupt you there because I think that's one of the common themes that the that happened with our guests on this show, right? Which is when we start talking about their experience and their, and their journey, it's very it's very obvious that the concept of digital transformation has been happening over time. Right. So any of this industry, I mean, right now we're talking about a, a different iteration of digital transformation. Sure. But, think, but think about cable TV, for example. Right. There are other industries where, you know, first you have antennas and then you have pay TV and then you have satellite. And all of those things are are an evolution in technology that it's in every iteration is going more digital. Only now yeah. we're calling it as digital digital transformation. Right. But, you know everything that you're talking about from from the moment of AOL, that was digital transformation at its time. Yeah, yeah. And even before then, there were, I think what drew me into that experience, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but, um, you know, the music industry was starting to look at the internet, I mean, mostly as a promotional vehicle, but certainly it was on the horizon as a distribution vehicle, to your mm -hmm. point. And, um, I mean, there were things that, if there are any music industry vets that are listening to this podcast, you know, like, one was called the Strategic Digital Music Initiative, SDMI. And I want to say there was something with AT&T and IBM, um, things that involve retailers, kiosks, you know, and retail stores um, that were all being looked at. And I think I 
actually did some sort of strategic plan for our chairman, an individual named Al Teller. And uh, we, we didn't know, but, but here something hit me and I left. And pro- probably the most interesting part of the journey, just for anyone who's listening from a career perspective, is just um, it was like moving from the most structured, legal oriented, <coughs> excuse me, environment where, you know, every step is mapped out and every decision you make may have a, a precedent against other agreements or deals. And um, you're never really going to see an artist. It's 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 their hidden layers away mm-hmm. by lots of different parts of the organization. It's not really bad. It just is what it is. Yeah. Um, into an environment where it was just completely unstructured and, and go, 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 go. And I, I think I still remember that one of the younger people on my team when I joined, this is 95, had like came into my office my first day and I think plopped down like eight or nine pieces of paper that were, you know, content partnerships that, you know, normally maybe in a Turner or a Disney, you'd probably spend weeks and lots of layers of the company, business, technology, lawyers. And I think she was like, look, I did all these deals with, you know, this company with Rolling Stone, with Spin, with, with Polygram. <laughs> I just feel 8% here, 6%, you know, let's go, you know. And, and I, I think I remember my first trip to New York for AOL um, to go see our partners. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember my first meeting was at a magazine called Spin Magazine. Mm-hmm. And it, it consisted of the editor like screaming at me for like an hour. You AOL people, no one picks up the phone. What are you thinking about? I was like, well, first thing we don't answer phones. You can send us an instant message or, you know, and uh, I remember a lot of really fun, you know, I have a lot of great anecdotes about what it was like to be in that room at AOL doing that at such an early stage. I could, I could fill the podcast up with, um, you know, the different interests I got to kind of meet. Um, everyone from Lou Reed calling me directly saying, I'm going to France, you know, next week and I don't know how to get email. And I didn't know either, you know, I haven't figured that out to David Bowie's people and delivering a beta to Mick Jagger in the middle of the night. I won't won't get into the details of that, but, you know, all all sorts of fun stuff sitting with Jan Winter at Rolling Stone when we stole him from CompuServe and watching him kind of really lay into our boss, Ted Leonsis, who's a wonderful guy about what are you guys? What are these customers? It's nothing like Rolling Stone. And it was a fascinating time to be there. You know, even even David Bowie at the time had... um, you know, he had a his own subscription service um, with a really wonderful guy, again, Bob Goodale, who's passed away. And, and it was like years before its time. So yeah. it, was, it was fascinating. It really changed my career to get out of maybe the, the pure finance numbering to be in that environment So in D.C. Yeah. So. And, and you never looked back. That's what you do right now. Yeah, I still do, um, I think, a broader version of that. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know if you want to zip up to the present, but... But I, um, yeah, I'm still someone who I think principally is a consultant. I do partnerships. I help drive partnerships, whether as a direct enabler or, or someone who's part of, you know, an, a, you know, a consultant that a company would retain to help drive a partnership. It might be licensing in rights. It might be distribution outwards and things like mobile carriers. And mm-hmm. actually, I do a lot of work with artists these days. It wasn't something that was in necessarily expected but i have spent many years in in latin markets as you know mm-hmm. and so i've got um you know i think an unusual amount of connectivity and knowledge of latin american markets for the average you know north american person i, I tend to do a lot of artist sourcing for different apps and music communities that i work mm-hmm. with and it's been a lot of fun and i, I try to retain all those things you know just as part of the consulting practice of course of course so so 
I mean, you, you're talking about the, the 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 music industry, right? Which I know it's it's uh, close to your heart, and you know really really well. I mean, I know we can talk to you about Web three and digital platforms and all of these things, but I know music is 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 something you understand and and and, and love. So, let's talk about the state of the music industry, right? If we if we can for a little bit, um, sure. What's what's happening right now? I mean, after a period of a, a pandemic where people could not gather together and um, and uh, and go to concerts for a while, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, uh, where uh, you know selling records is you know is is no longer the model because now you're being streamed through Spotify or or or, or mm -hmm. other 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 music platforms, right? Yeah. yeah what's what's happening in that industry and what are the, the 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 what's the landscape for for an artist and for these companies and what are the revenue streams uh, for how are yeah. those changing well you know the industry broadly has gone through you know a great time of recovery and now is in a period of growth it's actually a growth spurt and a okay. bit of a renaissance around the core of the business as well even outside of the core of it you know, and I, you know, we, we, we skipped over an enormous part of my journey. I spent after AOL, some time with Viacom, some time with Liberty Music, mm -hmm. but I spent 11 years with something that basically was Sony Music. It became Sony just because of unusual M&A during a time of industry duress. Mm -hmm. Basically, I, I say this all the time, but I, I picked the wrong decade to work at a big record company when, when the house was on fire. Yeah. You, you guys in film and TV, I don't think you really had this. You, you got to sit back a little bit. You had Disney stores or good cable deals at Turner, whatever it might be. But, you know, we had our core business getting destroyed. And I mean, I can't I can't even address that. If we're talking about journeys, it's before I get to what's happening now. Yeah. You know, there Let's was a it. period of, you know, 10 years where digital piracy and physical piracy, CD ripping and CD copying and mm -hmm. perhaps the lack of clarity around what would be called fair use you know, contributed to having a decimation of the revenue streams, which was, I think it was up to 37 or something billion globally. Mm -hmm. The U.S. was 14, 15, 16, 17 billion in that range until the late part of the 90s when things like Napster came out and started, I mean, completely chewing away, you know, the physical business model of CDs. Mm -hmm. um, but also, I think, completely hamstrung frankly, any of the new digital businesses that we were trying to develop between, say, the turn of the century and roughly 2003, mm -hmm. um, because how can you sell something? And the idea at that time was to sell, not to rent or stream the way it is now. We didn't have that type of broadband access. Um, how could you sell something when everything's available for free? You know, why yeah. would someone want to buy that? And, you know, it sounds so simple. Whenever I speak publicly, usually I get some smart kid in the back of the room raising his hand and go, you guys really screwed up Napster or whatever. Why don't you find a way to accommodate it? And I'm like, mm -hmm. do, you, do you understand what the playing field was like? You know, if someone just comes in and invades your business, you don't necessarily shake its hand. You try and kill it first and then build your own. Mm -hmm. And um, so that happened. It was over 2003 until Steve Jobs and smart folks in the industry, Paul Vidic and Warner Music Group, others came up with an idea of a really simple, easy to use product that worked across all sorts of devices um and sort of the 90 cent 99 cent model if you will came out of that and that lasted a few years until i think we all individually as a group decided to exceed to a streaming model 
and I was I was actually part of that team at Sony that you know helped the first Spotify deal, Spotify get off the ground, and others like mm-hmm. Apple who really struggled initially um, with iTunes and some of the territories I saw. But I think streaming and particularly subscription streaming, the conversion of free subscribers to paid subscribers mm-hmm. is what really brought us to the present. I'm zipping over a ton of stuff here. I miss the mobile phones and Latin America and Europe and ringtones. And those are really important stories. Um, but just in the interest of not boring everyone and keeping your podcast going, um, st- streaming, subscription streaming, premium streaming, if you will, I think mm-hmm. um, probably saved the industry as did things like you know, heavy, heavy stuff from YouTube, which I think also helped, which is mostly ad supported, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But, um, what, but it was what, a very painful how, period to go. go ahead. How, how did YouTube help, uh, help the music industry? Well, um, for one, it was part of a, a big company called Google that had a lot of money and mm-hmm. um, could come in, unlike, say, Napster, LimeWire, BearShare, whatever the others were, whether they're in the U.S. or in some South Pacific island and say, um, yeah, we'd like to work with you. And here, here's a big check for the last four years. Uh-huh. But here's a big check for the next three or four years. We want to build a video-based business around your videos and, and pay you for it and compensate for you. I, I don't want to make it just about paying, but but they had kind of come out of nowhere in, in a way that certainly hit us over the head. I remember um, tons of meetings at Sony where, you know, we had one person who's now works for them, who was like the expert on YouTube, who could explain to all of us, how did this track from Jose Jose in 1964 at the Coliseo in Mexico City get on to this network and generated 8.8 billion million views? And why aren't we getting paid on, you know, and just a lot of basic stuff that, but, um, but I think they, they're still one of the biggest, you know, entities for, consumption of music and yeah if you you know i think advertising is something you got to mention and in particular something called vivo which mm-hmm. was the music industry's kind of uh you know self-created vehicle to kind of create scarcity and also build an advertising business around video basically so mm-hmm. that's how it helped i'd say but okay to zip up your question you know and i'm, I'm zipping through frankly way too much stuff but but you know i think the Listen, advent of yeah go ahead the, Listen, we can we, we we can we can take it anyway. If you if you want to go back and and and, and take a little bit more of the story, that's fine. I mean, it's you're right, my guest, right. and I, and I, and I don't want you to miss any any, any part that ah, is going to be right. interesting for the audience. Honestly, honestly. <laughs> but um, but I think um, you know, I think uh, the mobile handset is an enormous factor. That you know, the first iPhone came out roughly 2007. iTunes was 2003. Um, there were just tons of iterations of things that were tried that, you know, unfortunately are in, you know, the graveyard of digital history that probably only people that sit in rooms that, you know, work in rights holders offices know about or remember, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, click radio, super tracks, Intel DRM. Like you go through a lot of these things, Mm -hmm. music brigade, you know, dozens of services that are gone. Rhapsody is still out, I think, but it's not exactly the same service as is Napster. Mm-hmm. Um, D2C options that the labels tried, something called MusicNet, something called PressPlay. Um, mm-hmm. Just tons of things were tried prior to basically iTunes succeeding. And um, additionally, the other wave was just the mobile wave mm-hmm. um, prior to the I- iPhone, actually. You know, entities like Nokia and Motorola 
um, Vodafone, certainly carriers in Europe, Latin America, Asia, drove mobile propositions that we were able to ride the wave on for, I don't know, three years, something like that. Mm-hmm. Something called master ringtones, mobile subscriptions. I did some really crazy stuff at Sony that was wonderfully fun to do and made us a lot of money. Handsets, I did one with Shakira, one with Ricky Martin mm-hmm. that you can't do now just because of, I think, app stores and the environment that's been created since then. But um, but anyway, the, the, those, I would say the mobile wave, the handset, the advent of streaming all brought the industry to a point of recovery. Mm-hmm. And now you've had four or five, whatever it is, seven years of solid growth of subscription streaming. It's almost commoditized now. If you mm-hmm. look at the difference between, you know, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, whatever, uh, iHeart, Amazon. Um, so they're all trying in their different ways to differentiate, you know, becoming a podcast portal, whatever it might be. Um, and, but the higher tide has given the industry, at least the recorded music industry, a um, lot of opportunity to try new stuff and to support new initiatives. Mm-hmm. You mentioned AI, 3D. I mean, the latest stuff is blockchain and NFTs, but um, certainly rights marketplaces. There's just a ton of stuff to talk about live streaming that I think in various different ways are you know, part of the ecosystem and labels the rights owners aren't trying to kill them i think as much as they are trying to empower them and ride the wave mm-hmm, i think mm-hmm. some of the analysts in the industry call it the tools economy now where where you know if if you zip back to some of the earlier periods i'm talking about there was a monopoly if you will maybe not a formal monopoly but mm-hmm. to get distributed and to get out on the radar of radio or mtv or bet cmt whatever it might be you really, really, really needed a big entity to, to take that ride. And in fact, you know, they had distribution and plants and, you know, well-trod pathways to retailers. And so uh, most of that's kind of uh, changed. Almost all of it is now. And so you, yeah. you can be an independent and self-distribute, self-promote. In fact, there are plenty of examples of hip-hop artists, rap artists, whatever it might be, that have done tremendous things. I've seen a lot in Latin America and worked with a bunch. Um, but there's also still a role for major labels. But but basically, the incredibly long-winded answer, I hope I haven't bored everyone out there, is that, you know, through the fire, growing through subscription streaming and mobile brought the industry to a point where it can now, I wouldn't say rest, but basically grow and support other new business lines. So so you touched upon something that, that I find uh, personally very, very interesting, which is the fact that uh, anybody now can reach out their niche audiences, right? As we said before, you needed these big labels to basically be distributed, right? Because you needed radio, you needed a video, you needed, you know. Still, you still do, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, but right now you could be a niche artist. I mean, for example, uh, I'm, 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 I'm going to say something that is very geeky. I play guitar, right? And I play fingerstyle guitar. And I, okay. I follow... Uh, 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 fingerstyle uh, artist that is very very famous within his niche right and uh, this guy has a business around it he runs camps around the United States or around the world you know teaching his style Uh, he he has his channel in Spotify he sells uh, his uh, um, 
type of guitar he has a, 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 an agreement with a with a guitar manufacturer that builds mm. a guitar with his specifications all yeah. of those things right he yeah. created a, a a business without a label that's what i'm trying to say yeah right no absolutely before that wasn't possible right so my i guess my question here is how all of these availability and and and, and let alone let alone that he can now open a, a, a channel on patreon right mm. And, yeah. and go directly to directly to consumers, yeah. right? Patreon's a real mind bender for me, by the way. I, you know, like that's something that, like, you know, like the idea of generosity, like, you know, it's a real thing. It's great, it's a, by the way. But it's, like, a, it's a real it, thing you know, that would I never mean, have existed during the decade. Yeah, anyway. I know, but but it, but it's a real thing, right? And suddenly now, you you know, you have these these people that is, you know, they're part of this gig economy, but they're really entrepreneurs, right? They're entrepreneurs of one, yeah. or maybe they have their teams, but you know, it's not. They don't need Sony to Correct. you know to to build well, their careers right so so my yeah. question to you is how this whole thing plays you know what i understand the labels are going through renaissance right now but how all of this is impacting that you know or is there a segmentation happening in the marketplace where if you want to be a global artist you go with labels but if yeah, you're going to be a yeah. niche artist you go through patreon yeah. on your own you know how does that work yeah, no, it's a really good question. I mean, I don't know if the labels per se um, are going through a renaissance. I think other parts, I mean, Patreon's a good example of maybe a renaissance-oriented development, something like that, that, mm -hmm. you know, shows that the market's pretty healthy. And, um, you know, even putting aside some of the craziness, things like Twitch and um, certainly social music. I work for an app called Smule. There's so many examples of, of, of that, but... but um, yeah, I mean, to your point about individual artist economies, um, there's so many tools in the market that you can self-distribute, self-promote, um, get yourself some sort of good branding or ad agency and revenue model. And most importantly, I mean, touring, I think, is a really key thing for most artists. And that, that's something we didn't talk about. But I mean, I didn't my career wasn't really that deeply in part of the touring ecosystem. It's, it's often like if you're on the recorded side, I think, of the industry. It's a different part of the landscape. It's a really important one. Mm -hmm. It used to be, I think, you know, things like tour support where labels would get, I don't know if they still do that, but but a um, little bit of a different area. Um, although there are plenty of examples of things like, you know, Maverick or Live Nation where they manage artists or they may have all rights on artists, including recorded music, that sort of thing. Um, but, but touring is incredibly important too. And that's also something you... You certainly need a label for it. You can do it on your own or you need a promoter. There are all sorts of live streaming initiatives. But um, I still think that the landscape is hasn't changed that much. Like I hear um, particularly around this whole blockchain and NFT area, mm -hmm. it's gotten, I mean, just so much attention. And, um, you know, I hear I hear a lot of hype where, you know, like the whole ecosystem will be burned up and changed and. And this is the vehicle to do it. I don't buy that. And um, I think it's another good platform to promote to promote the business. But I think if you're an artist, you have some choices. Mm -hmm. I know plenty of artists would love to be signed to Capitol Records or mm -hmm. Epic Records or Sony Music Latin and have them support them. I think you get a line out the door. But I also think there's plenty of artists. If you look at particularly reggaeton artists, I know Osuna, um, folks that have really built things on their own in very smart ways. And there's lots of hybrid organizations that sit in between kind mm -hmm. of the two poles that you're talking about independent arms of the majors or mm -hmm. 
units like the Orchard at Sony or ADA at Warner or in-groups that used to be part of Universal that are sort of, I don't know what the best analogy is. If you're in Atlanta, maybe not the Atlanta Braves, but the AAA farm team. I don't know. That's Mm -hmm. a perfect example. But um, there's lots of options, basically. Almost commoditized that, that space in terms of like the tools and intermediaries to get you out into the market. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, you talked a little, uh, a little bit about um, why you, uh, you know, your thoughts about Patreon, right, and and, and other platforms. But let's talk about uh, platforms for creators, right? Uh, there, you know, and and I know here we're 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 merging not only music but video creators and design creators and any type of content creator. It, where do you see? What are your thoughts on that, uh, on, on, on that creation of, of virtual fans and being able to monetize that fandom through these, these platforms that are opening up access yeah. that we did not have? I mean, if, yeah. if, 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 if you were an artist in the 70s, in the 80s, you know, and, and you weren't signed, you, know, you would have a day job, <laughs> right? Yeah. But now maybe you can monetize it this way and this is your day job. Yeah. I mean, look, I look, I think the big gorilla in this space is is probably TikTok to talk about, you know, just in mm-hmm. the last year or so. And, you know, we talk about I don't know if you're going to you have to come back to one of the courses I teach this year at Pepperdine because we're, we're going to talk about TikTok in this next rev. And um, it's it's so interesting, particularly, you know, people think of it, you know, it comes out of China. It's owned by ByteDance and um, got a lot of interesting aspects to it as an organization that that other companies I mentioned just don't have it's not bad or good it's just different basically um, and I think I think they're probably one of the best examples just of platforms that are out there that have so much different potential to it and I know from the music perspective mm-hmm. um, you know, you're now starting to see things like uh, onboarding tools platforms that have something called sound on they've got a streaming service called rezo and I'm you know I'm hearing you know buzz in the press it's probably not entirely accurate about you know, them taking on, you know, different aspects beyond just being what, you know, is TikTok, you know, maybe being labels, owners. Um, but I do think there's a lot of expertise around that that is native to TikTok and, and other other platforms, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of fandom, cultivating your community, mm-hmm. um, how you break on TikTok. I, I work for an app as a consultant. I've been with them for six years now called Smule. That's all about like uh, singing together. They've got something called Magic Piano, and they've got something turns your voice into a rapper too. But but Smule Sing is sort of their primary application, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we we bring in I, I bring a big Latin artist into them actually, and um, it's just one of the coolest things. I, I don't know if I necessarily call it purely a modernization tool, but but it's a premium app for sure. But it's all about like the fan artist connection, and we we bring all these artists and we actually ask them to sing and. Not every artist can sing, by the way. There's some that'll be like, it's eight in the morning and, you know, I can mm-hmm. go to. But but um, I think what I've seen there is like the ones that are able to do something organically that makes sense for their fans. It definitely it doesn't have to be perfect is what drives the most engagement, which mm-hmm. is what, you know, that app and I think others are really engaged, you know, trying to get. It isn't necessarily music consumption. Yeah. Um, nor is it selling tickets or merchandise. Those are sort of secondary things that come off it. It is about engagement. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Patreon, you mentioned, is a little bit mind-bender to me, but I think it's great, you know, that the artists sort of get a liberty to create stuff. I, I did a panel with with uh, 
a really smart person from Patreon last year in New York. And, and I was pleasantly blown away at sort of, you know, how far, you know, the once primitive notion of kind of fan clubs or fan communities has been taken, basically. Mm -hmm. I remember it as getting a t-shirt in the mail, you know, or a bootleg album from whatever it might be, you know, Kiss live at, in, in, in Virginia, whatever it is, in a t-shirt or something, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and, and there's a lot of people that pay for that, by the way, a lot. Mm -hmm. And why can't that be digital if, if that's what sort of you're driving at as well? So, Yeah, absolutely. So... Uh... Before we move to, I'd like to talk to you about your thoughts on artificial in intelligence and the impact on the industry. But bef before we move to that, um, have you, I'm sure you do. Um, what do you think about the uh, so far? Do you know the so far movement? So far sounds? Yeah. Oh no. Wh which one is this? Sorry. So far sounds? Or? <laughs> yeah. No, you well, no the, no, the movement where, where, where you actually buy tickets for a concert that is going to happen in your neighborhood, yeah. right? Yeah. And you don't know who's going to play, right? You just show yeah. up. It's, it's for people that love music, for the love of music, um, and for independent artists. I think it's really cool. I mean, I, I'm, so far sounds is, I don't know where they are. These is, I think a lot of these things got heavily shaken up, obviously, by the pandemic. I mean, yeah. you know, probably you can't talk about the live sector without mentioning that. And you also asked at the top of this about just what's happening and, the other huge thing is the live business is back to booming and there's mm -hmm. so much appetite now. It's like, there's almost too many concerts. I had a, you know, like I had so many tickets here in LA in the last week, you know, between Paul McCartney and something called cruel world. And mm -hmm. I'm going to go see one of my own favorite bands next week called OMD. And there's almost too much. And I think some of that got, you know, clotted up because of the pandemic um, as did all these different types of live streaming things um, as well as the, I don't know what you want to call so far, but DIY, where I guess you can have a lot of smart sets show up in your living room if you do it right, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I'll mention a company called uh, Musicasa, which is a closer to the Latin markets that's uh, Mexico, Puerto Rico, and Miami. That sort of, from what I saw, um, sort of combines, like if you think about the ambiance of a, a cool club or something like a Soho house with, with kind of live streaming, if you will. And they, they sort of have a, you know, smaller boutique or niche-oriented artists come but play in backyards, like dinner parties, mm -hmm. and they've got a nice business rolling out of that. Or, you know, um, lots of interesting live streaming platforms too. Dr Dream Stage is one that I'll mention that uh, um, some folks that I, I work with and respect a lot, Th Thomas Hesse, um, as well as a brilliant artist that Jan Vogue would have created that is just like a preeminent, um, initially classical and jazz-oriented platform for mm -hmm. live streaming of music it's since broadened they've had everyone from uh you know the war on drugs to to latin rappers on it and um lots and lots of these live streaming things that are out there are almost too many mm -hmm. but um this is all positive stuff basically you know mm -hmm. i mean and i think to your point it's it's sort of why businesses recovered a little bit you're starting to see these things i think in the u.s um you know i'm not a lawyer but i think you could look pretty heavily and say uh AEG and Live Nation probably have, I don't know what the right word is, a lock or certainly a very big, important position over the U.S. Mm -hmm. concert venue business. And um, so it's 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 good to see that there are other things that are coming in and shaking it up. I know that there are interesting ticketing platforms. Mm -hmm. I saw a show here in L.A. It's something called The Troubadour. And 
a company called C Tickets, which I think Universal owns, sold me the ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, brown Paper Tickets, which is, what is it? It's got like a whole social vibe to it, Seattle and London. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a bunch of cool sort of uh, things that are different ways. Tixer here in Santa Monica, they're still around, are trying to, you know, shake things up. So that's also good too. Um, and kind of plays to the point of, you know, not just recovered, but growth now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So now let's talk about artificial intelligence. What role is artificial intelligence playing in, in, the, in the music industry? What can we... That's a good question. I think AI, um, the, the way I typically think about it is from like an enterprise perspective or mm-hmm. a business to business perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, like I, I spent a little time consulting um, for my good friends at Microsoft who I worked for after Sony in AI help, helping kind of, um, you know, in different ways, trying to not only answer that question, but bring that message out to the U S market, not just with music, but to lots of verticals. Um, and I don't, I don't know if anyone knows exactly the answer to that, but I think, um, I think it's, it's got a really nice role, um, certainly in helping the consumer experience for different consumer consumption vehicles. Okay. Um, you know, super hi-fi is a company I'll mention here in LA that I think can like tailor play mixes and sounds so that you hear one track moving into another much more smoothly. Mm-hmm. Um, there's others. AI music is one in the UK that I think are optimizing playlists and sequencing of tracks towards individual users, hence building the advertising business okay. is another one. There's some very interesting songwriting tools. So if you think about like the way you might when you're on your word, say Excel or excuse me, a, a word program typing and it suggests words to you, mm-hmm. like they're actually, there's a one company I know of quite well in the Bay Area that's actually doing that for songwriters. Oh. So um, yeah, and then there's obviously songwriting, I don't know if we call robots, whatever they are that use AI technology, which I don't think so highly of, but, but um, in fact, there's some very interesting developments in US copyright law that that won't recognize AI written stuff as, as actually copyrightable, you know? Um, so I, I kind of see it more on that side of the business okay. and think it's a really interesting enterprise opportunity. Probably if you're an investor, I'd imagine it'd be something to look at that's interesting. Okay. Um, but, that, um, but not a consumer thing. I it's think it's not a consumer it, thing. It, okay. Yeah. That's, in that's, my that's, opinion. That's just no, no, me. no, that's, inter- no, but that's, that, that's, that's, that's opinion that matters. Um, that that's really interesting uh, because, for example, on on some of the work that we do, which is uh, inbound marketing and content, content content creation, right? And you know, for content cre- content creation is important for uh, search engine purposes, right? So you can be found. Um, and normally you do the content creation through copywriters, right? So you have to hire somebody who knows how to write and they write about a topic, right? Mm. But right now there's tools. Uh, that uh, are uh, AI tools based um, that uh, they can write as well as a copywriter. You give them a topic, you give them a structure, you tell them what mood you want that, you know, you want it professional or witty or whatever it is, and they write a blog or an article or a, and it's it's done in seconds. And it's done, the way it's done is that uh, these, these, these tools have crawled and read 20% of everything that's been written on the web. Yeah. And learned what has worked and what hasn't worked in terms of 
being found and rankings in Google, etc. Mm -hmm. So when they when you're asking them to write something, they're using all of that learning and writing original content. So it's actually you can ask it as as many, many times it's going to write something totally different. But mm. but every time it's going to be written, in a, it looks like like it's written by a human. Right. So I, I've, it's very interesting to, you know, to, to your point, we are using less copywriters now that we were using before because now we have a tool that has a, is an SAS uh, tool, right? So we pay a fee a month based on the amount of words we want to write and, you know, it works. Yeah. It works. So I, I can imagine that happening with music too, especially maybe not for, you know, for, the, you know, for the, for the, for the big artists, but maybe for jingles or maybe for, yeah, you know, for other type of music. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, some of this, um, I think, to go back into, you know, the enterprise or, you know, um, whatever, not to be like I'm lecturing or too didactic or whatever, but I think like if you think about the studio side of the business, producers, engineers, mixers, masters, mm -hmm. incredibly important part of, say, music, Hollywood as well, for sure, post-production, um, you know, I'm sure that there are tools that do some aspect of this already, whether it's part of the Adobe suite or whoever, so... Um, I just don't, I don't know like how to, how to say this. I, I don't know, it, it strikes me as having more impact on perhaps the enterprise or the, the productions. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think you're gonna see hit records written by robots. I could be wrong, but I, I yeah, still think yeah, that yeah, there's yeah. a human aspect to things. And um, you, you won't get yellow well, you know, but, written, yeah, but, you're written by a robot, yeah. But I mean, look, I mean, you know, the, the whole explosion of social gaming Web3, the metaverse, mm -hmm. whether you're talking about Roblox or, or, or Riot Games or, you know, um, Wave XR and some of the amazing events we've seen over the last two or three years, Travis Scott's, you know, virtual concerts. Um, I think that there's a ton of opportunity there. And it, it, I think, you know, she's also sort of, I don't know, you know, if it's necessarily an AI discussion as it is just this entirely new platform where, say, the artists can be avatars, right? They don't they don't need to be humans yeah and um and maybe maybe it fits with that discussion as well yeah yeah okay so so you know and, and we're already 42 minutes into this and and i could i could speak for a couple of hours with you because okay. it, it's, it's so interesting it, you know everything you have to say about all of these new technologies I'll, i'm dying to hear your thoughts about web3 I mean, I'm much more bullish about that than I am with some of the other things that are out okay, there. Okay, okay. Well, no, I mean, I think... Um, Why is that? Well, I just think it's it go to me, um, and I'm skating a little bit on thin ice because I wouldn't call myself necessarily a Web3 expert, uh -huh. but... Um, who is? Who is a Web3 expert? There's no I don't Web3 know who expert. is right now, but I mean, I've seen enough with um, kind of the wave of activity in some of these social gaming platforms Um that I think it's just an awesome area, you know, and I, I do think the industry music, a lot of other entertainment aspects will be testing it and figuring out new modes of purchasing, whether it's, you know, selling microtransactions, if you will, or live performances. And um, I think there's an abundant amount of opportunity just in that. And I think you can see some changes in that. I, I also think, um, you know, that there's this whole new wave of activity around blockchain distribution with, with, Mm -hmm. with nfts it has a little too much hype for my taste but also has some very real enterprise oriented vehicles mm -hmm. um that i think are going to help a lot of different interests create 
NFTs that make sense, basically, and other modes of distribution. So if you think about, I don't know, the way a studio worked, I don't know, you had home entertainment and different types of distribution and stores and all sorts of tentacles. I, th I think it'll be another important tentacle of the business. So, okay. um, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think the landscape's going to be burned up for this either, personally. Personally, yeah. and I, I think you know, smart rights holders. I'm, I'm out in front of a lot of the labels lately with with a new NFT client and some other initiatives in this space, and and um, it's so interesting just when you're outside in the industry and there's there's like 25 different of these platforms, and then mm -hmm. you go in the doors of say say a Sony, whatever it is, and and it's very new. It really is new, and so it feels a little bit like 1995 sometimes to me, as did the first waves of things like uh, virtual reality and 3D when there was a lot of hype around it. Um, and that that also has settled, I think, to some degree around the enterprise. So yeah. um, anyway, we should do another, maybe we'll do another segment in a couple of months when, and we'll, you know, I'll, I'll talk some more about it if you want to do we, that. We, we can definitely do that. So I have two more topics I want to talk to you uh, before I let you go, okay? If that's okay. So the yeah. first one, I want to talk to you about podcast, right? And and your thoughts on, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a huge podcast fan. And what I am so impressed is every show that I see on TV that I like, it was a podcast first. It's incredible. The oh. fertilization is happening from, from, from podcast storytelling to actual success on, oh. on on show production oh. so i love to talk to you about that and then yeah uh, close uh, close with the industry disruption what, what, yeah. where, where you see it coming but let's let's start with podcast and and, and yeah. your thoughts on that yeah no and i hear you i've been watching what is it we crashed on on apple and i think yeah. i think that started at wondering was it hernan lopez and, and, and hernan I think, lopez I think of course one. from fox yeah. FM. Right. I think that was an example of something that started as a podcast. I'm not, am, I, am I right on that one? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We Crash started as a podcast. The Dropout started as a podcast. And the, the Staircase now on HBO Max started as a podcast. I, I can, the least. Yeah, no, it's now. great. You know, it's great. I think, I think it's great when anything gets derived from something that's positive. And I, you know, I guess, um, I mean, my top level on podcast is, um, I mean, there's certainly, genres or types that seem to work better in this medium than others I, what mm -hmm. is it the true crime podcast for example seem to go particularly well mm -hmm. what is it double elvis those guys in, in boston that have all those true crime podcasts and I, I know folks here that uh in la that have come out of like pretty serious roles in the law enforcement community Mm -hmm. and have created really interesting podcasts like behind the scenes stuff and so and they, um, and they solve crimes they solve real crimes yeah and people listen and engage and you know mm -hmm. so it obviously works i mean you know then then i think there are other things that i, I don't really know where people are coming from in terms of uh, i i for example have um a show that is in development in, in television right now which we will get too deep into but but you know i didn't think about it as a podcast show because i just think it's better you know, I still believe in broadcast and audiences basically and didn't see it as something like, I think there's a lot already in podcasting. And so, you know, like, how do you get discovered? If you ask the same thing about music, you yeah. know, I mean, and that, that's probably my biggest take on it. I'm spending a lot more time on Spotify now with podcasts and I use pocket casts and, and I, I speak on the media a lot actually on topics like Twitter, TikTok, whatever it is. And, and it's it's extraordinary how much great information is available essentially for free if mm -hmm. you want to spend the time listening for it. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I'm a big believer on in that space. I also know um, got a couple of close friends that that 
have different initiatives in it. I think it's got to be hard to scale, you know, whether you're selling advertising or you're just building audience share, just given how much is out there. And yeah. so that, well, that's well, a hard it's, thing. It's becoming, it's becoming so fragmented that you end up needing um, a distribution channel like yeah. Motherly, like Anchor from Spotify that they yeah. put you on their first page, right? And yeah. that drives the traffic to your, you know, it started, you know, it's all coming back to the same place, yeah. right? Yeah. Which so, is. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's really cool that there are, um, you know, like a lot of when I started years back at a film studio, you know, I mean, um, things start from books, obviously films, or they yeah. can come from scripts and, you know, things. I mean, I remember some of the biggest hits at the studio I worked at were rejected by other studios, right? You know, Home Alone. Was, Listen. was rejected by a studio and thrown away and someone picked it up and you know there's the old phrase was it paramount that no one knows anything so i think i oh. i always think that these things are i don't think you can automate hits even you know and i think no i agree right? i mean it is it is an art in a, in, in a sense it, 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 it's true entrepreneurship right you you need somebody believing on an idea betting on that idea, putting the, the, you know, the resources behind it, putting together a team, producing it. And even after yeah. producing it, you don't know exactly how it's going to pan out. So it, it's true entrepreneurship, you know, and all of those hits, you cannot predict a hit as you, as you, as you said. But what I find interesting about podcast, uh, transferring podcasts to shows is that it brings me back to the time I was working at Disney, where in Disney, we had something called um, synergies. Right, it would it would be called the Disney synergies, and you would have all of these lines of businesses, right? And you would have uh, uh, books and publishing, you sure. would have uh, uh, gaming, and you would have TV, and you, and sometimes a property, and 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 you, they would look at properties as franchises, right? It's not a property; it's a franchise. So the franchise might have started as a kids' book, right? But that yeah. doesn't mean you know it can live in other. It can live as a as a as a ride on on mm -hmm. on the park yeah, a piece of merchandise in a store a piece right of merchandise yeah. in the store or a show yeah. on tv or a movie so 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 the franchise intellectual property would navigate all of these different lines of businesses and i think what's sure. happening with podcasts and shows is just that right so you have a, a, a intellectual an ip that became very successful that had an audience on 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 a podcast yeah. platform and some intelligent uh, uh, entrepreneurs and, and producers decide, you know, identify that as they, as to your point, yeah, yeah. Uh, would have identified that famous novel, right? The novel that was generating a lot of a lot of uh, readership, right? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, Disney's an exceptionally well positioned, and it is fair to refer to talk about the notion of you know with Marvel and everything they've got under under their hood, actually, mm -hmm. and just Disney, etc. But um, I think they're kind of an exception, if, if you will. Um, yeah. um, no, but I think it'd be great to see more. But I, I've seen, I'll mention a company here called Kurt Co Media that's a podcast producer that, you know, has something that's sort of an action adventure, scientific, sci-fi sort of thing that, you know, looks like something that would come out of a major film studio, even though it's ultimately an audio product. Mm -hmm. and, and the visuals around it, the marketing has been exceptional. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, th I think it's... Um, I think it's a, a cool new emerging vehicle that's certainly eating into my media consumption time. I know, mm -hmm. by the way, we started with music. It's certainly, if you're Spotify, increasingly you're tilting towards it, right? And away yeah. from those rights you've licensed from others, which aren't as profitable for them probably. Yeah. But I'm, I'm sure it's got plenty of challenges, discovery, building that advertising as well. 
um, I, I know some some good friends that have created something in a the U.S. Latin space actually for podcasting, mm-hmm. and because that's a big audience, sixty five million people, probably underserved, and you know it's it's tough to scale and sell advertising and do it in a consistent way. I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. So, so just to close our conversation, yeah. any thoughts on industry disruptors? Sure. I mean, the thing that if I mean, I'll, I'll talk about music, but I think it applies to a lot of entertainment. But I mean, I, I see this whole area of social video, particularly TikTok, I'm not knocking it as being potentially quite disruptive, just because there's so many, what is it, a billion people on it now, mm-hmm. and it's increasingly a vehicle for music creation consumption probably other forms of content creation whether it's influencers or other programming mm-hmm. and um that that could be something that is quite disruptive basically yeah and i i don't you know like the the notion of web3 and there, you know there's all these schools of thought about nfts changing the world i i, I would believe more in the, in the example i cited than 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 that than the web3 stuff for right now at least so okay okay that's good listen said it Thank you so much for your time and for your knowledge. If any of the people listening to this podcast wants to get hold of you, how do they Oh, that's do awesome. That? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> my website is stratamericas.com and my email is um, seth at strat, S-T-R-A-T, americas.com. Mm-hmm. Or you can also hit me up on LinkedIn, which is Seth Schachner, S-C-H-A-C-H-N-E-R. Gerardo, this was, this was fun and cool. It's a pleasant conversation. Hope we can do it again, and maybe you'll come. You'll come uh, to one of our courses at Pepperdine. This I would love this to. I mean, fall, thank you for okay. inviting me to you know to be a guest speaker one day. I, I'd love to do it again, and uh, yeah, for sure. And I, and I'd love to have you here because I feel that awesome. we could have spoken for another two hours. We we should. We'll we'll do it again. Maybe in the fall. I gotta have some coffee, and I'll I'll be set the next time. I'll have your whole your whole studio set up set. But thank you for having me, and thanks thank everyone you, for listening. I hope I hope I didn't bore anyone out there. I hope it was interesting. I appreciate it. I appreciate. It. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. You too.